Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm Karen. Good morning. I'm Kelly. We're going to start the show today with show notes. We have three medium, an evening with medium events for 2018 in April, August, and December. And anybody can buy tickets for those online at buysarlo.com. And we encourage it because we have not held an event that has had available tickets at the door. Everything has sold out. Sips of Sanity is a second podcast series we have that can be found at buysarlo.com. These are five 10-minute shows, Monday to Friday, the first week of each month that where we pick a theme. And we really use those shows to educate people. So we invite you to go to that. I think January was Breaking Patterns. Yeah, it was a great way to start the year. Mm-hmm. And I think we picked that because people try to make resolutions mm-hmm. or some. And sometimes a resolution is about breaking a pattern. Okay. We have gift certificates that are available uh, year-round in any denomination. You can purchase them for anyone anywhere in the world. And you can pay by cash, credit, e-transfer, or PayPal. We do sessions for people all over the world. We have a client base that reaches everywhere by Skype, FaceTime, telephone, and then, of course, if you're local, in person. We're also available as guest speakers for group sessions at businesses, educational systems, all different types of places that are looking for a guest speaker. And we talk about a variety of things. So people can contact us for a variety of topics that are super unique and interesting. Super. (laughs) Okay. Um, Wait, it's not every day you're going to get a guest speaker that's a medical intuitive or reads Akashic Records, or can talk to nonverbal people. It's pretty unique. I know. I just, I liked your enunciation. Yeah. Okay, so you've brainstormed the topic yet again today, and you are wanting to bring up random topics. Well, when you say brainstorm, that's... You collaborated with the guides. Yes, because I just literally sat down and said to them, what do you want us to talk about? And they picked the topic. So that's my idea, brainstorming. And delegation. I like it. Oh, yes. Okay, so it is going to be a bit of a scattered show, just in the sense that the guides asked me to sit and write down what came to me in each of the different types of sessions. The things that I've learned about myself or about people or about the spirit world. And I just jotted a whole bunch of them down, whether they were my thoughts or whether the spirit world jumped in and said, yeah, and this is how we feel, and this is what we noticed. Oh, cool. So there's there's at least three of us talking today. Yes. I like that a lot. Okay, so, and Kelly, I know this is one where you're going to be able to jump in and provide what you want about each of these topics as well. Mm-hmm. Yours is going to be more on the fly. I had a moment just to write down the topics, but didn't have a lot of time to think about the examples for it either. So You do just fine on the fly. I'm sure that'll be involved. Oh, thank you. Okay. So one of the first ones was the guides asked me about being a medical intuitive, that there are not a lot of medical intuitives in the world, that this is a situation where there's t- there are two right here in the same little city and in the same family, a mom and daughter. And so as medical intuitives, what were some of the things that we've learned either from the spirit world or from the clients themselves. And I know some of this will come from other podcast shows that we can reference. Do you want to go first or do you want me to start so you can think? However your sentences go up, 
and then the end. <laughs> uh, I, I don't mind starting. Go. Mine, the first thing that comes to mind is from clients and what I've learned or what I've seen consistently is a disconnect between people and their own bodies where they don't feel their own feelings. They're not connected to the sensations that they're having. They're dismissive. And there's been such a period of dismissiveness that they no longer even have awareness. Yeah. And if they do, there's no value to it. As you said, it's they're so dismissive. Yeah. And I, those are many layers of things because we're talking about if there is awareness to begin with, the dismissiveness involves an acknowledgement and then saying, like you said, there's no value to this. So I'm going to push through or I value something more than what I'm feeling. I will push through. I'm going to go to work because I need a paycheck instead of going to the eMERGE today. Yeah, and it can be ill-intentioned or, like you say, out of necessity. I, You know, Kelly, I really struggle with that because as a, a person with synesthesia, when I'm feeling the pain in the shoulder, right side, under the shoulder blade, in the corner, whatever it is, but it's very specific... And I say this to a client and they have disconnected from themselves and they say things like, no, you're wrong because of their disconnect from their own experience in their own body. They project that on to us and say, we're incorrect. We're inaccurate. Yes. Yeah. You're no good at what you do instead of I'm disconnected. I don't know. Mm hmm. So yeah. instead of instead of being responsive and adult about it and saying, I don't know, I don't even know my own pain anymore. You could be correct, Karen. I'm not sure. I'll check. I'll have to think about it. The gauntlet comes down that it's my inaccuracy. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to take that same situation and kind of do a little bit of a different scenario. Same pain. Same conversation of, oh, you have the pain in this area of your body. And they say no. And after I say, well, they're not taking it back. They're saying that it's sharp, not shooting. It's this, not that. And they go, yeah, but that's been there for years. Mm -hmm. So they immediately contradict themselves by first denying the pain and then saying, well, well, then it's been there for so long. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, well, how is that a no? Yeah. How is the forever presence still a no in your head yes oh well I thought it had to be new pain and it's like where in that conversation did I say new yes so like things are so they're interpreted in ways that I can't even fathom where someone would make an, an assumption so this taught me not to always believe the client was telling me the truth oh I know, because I've watched you sit in a chair and go, you're lying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And be able to say point blank in their face, you're lying. Because sometimes the, their dismissiveness allows them to want to put that projection onto my inaccuracy, where I'm supposed to sit in that feeling that I'm no good. Mm-hmm. And yet they know that that isn't true. But they're okay trying to make me feel that way. Mm -hmm. They're comfortable and then think, and I booked an appointment with you. So I had to be able to come outside of all of that, I'll call it crazy making, and be able to step outside of my own old patterns of people pleasing and not allow it anymore. 
because the spirit world sat there and said to me, they're lying. Mm-hmm. The spirit world was the was the the energy that held the space that gave me back who I am, in spite of the human. It was a good lesson for me to trust the spirit world. Whereas humans might come in and think that I should respect them. And and I'm not saying that I want to take respect away from anybody. But I certainly am going to, if they haven't earned it. And I say, earn that piece of respect by being a truthful person. Mm-hmm. And I know very often we have sat specifically in medical intuitive situations, indicated what where their pain is, what kind of pain they're having, and the duration, and even where it's stemmed from. And they still give us the no. And when we say, wow, we've given you so much information, apparently, according to you, it's all incorrect would you like to leave? Would you like to end yeah. your session? If I'm not connecting with you properly or accurately enough, would you like to take this opportunity to go no charge? And they say no. Yeah. They want the rest of their session. And so I sit there and I think, well, okay, this is interesting. You you are definitely lying then because no one sits, spends that amount of money to be that inaccurate. Yeah. No one. That's right. So the spirit world in this manner of learning this thing, this triangling between the human me and the spirit world, I learned to sit and have more faith and trust in the spirit world than the humans. Mm -hmm. And not to be mean, sometimes in some situations, the client can truthfully just not be aware. Yeah. And I wanted to bring it back to that original point that you, you had asked, what did you learn or what comes to the top of your mind? And that really was the disconnect with our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I think our lifestyles demand that of us, the amount of things that we're addicted to and inundated with, with regards to our senses have made us have to be desensitized to our own bodies. Yeah. And I'm not saying this in a way that I feel mad at the client. I'm well, and uh, wait a minute. I was at the beginning because that was unfair to me. Mm-hmm. That was unfair for my experience. That was not helping me learn and grow in my own gifts. So I really valued the people who would reassess it, maybe right in the session and say afterwards, no, I got that wrong earlier. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And apologize. And God bless them, Kelly. All the clients that came back a year later, five years later, six years later, almost a decade later. And a woman just did it to me at Christmas time in the mall and turn around and say, you were correct about my medical information eight years ago. I never bothered to call and tell you. Mm -hmm. I told you you were wrong. It's been bugging me and I'm so glad I ran into you today. And then I get to say thank you. It still means a great deal to me, even eight or 10 years later to hear it. It is never too late to say it. Yeah. And I know like even with our memory not being there after the sessions, it still means a lot when someone gives you that affirmation. Absolutely. Because for the very next person then that might actually have a memory loss, a brain injury, um, microangiopathy, anything that's going on with the brain where maybe it's truly an honest mistake brain-wise that they don't have full cognitive information about their health or their memory for it, it allows you and I to be compassionate. Mm 
Mm-hmm. It allows you and I to sit there and assess it and with in a slower process. It, and we can ask ourselves questions. Is am I accurate? Am I making a mistake? Is the human making a mistake? Spirit world, can you tell us who's making the mistake? Mm. Is it is it me? Is it the human? Or is it you guys? Am I misinterpreting something that you're giving to me? Or is this just sit still, Karen? And Kelly, you're going to find out we're right. Hold on to your shorts, no matter what they say about you, you're going to be okay. And sometimes okay for you and I means that we don't find out, you know, the next weekend. Sometimes, like I said, we find out half a decade later, which requires tremendous patience. But I know other people have the same thing in their own careers as well. Mm -hmm. Can you ask me the question again? Shit, no. Did you not write it down? Eh. No. Oh. <laughs> I wrote down one of the people that that reminded me of that whole situation because when I just wrote down the first name. Oh, you said what, what we've learned from the different types of sessions. Oh, yes. And you started with medical intuitive. Yes. Okay, that's how we were prompted. Yeah. Yeah, because I wanted to go through a whole bunch because there's so many different things that I've learned over well, a decade of doing this. Mm-hmm. Well, I've learned synesthesia. Yes. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, that's a I, whole story. I, I didn't know synesthesia was a thing. I remember being confused in the beginning as to why I knew what people had in their bodies, but I didn't, at that point, really tune into the fact that I was feeling what they were feeling in my body in order to tell them the information. Which is really funny, given the fact that I just yeah. said <laughs> that people are disconnected from their bodies. Yeah. But because it's not ongoing for me, it would just be a little flash and I would think nothing of it. Oh, it didn't stick around. It's it's not mine. But then this, this whole comment of it's not mine became how you and I identified synesthesia and really came to understand whether or not it was the intuitive gifts or not. Yeah. The synesthesia was such a complicated and continues to be such a complicated thing or issue for me to live with mm-hmm. to be able to get up in the morning I was awake last night for two hours with a sore left hip between the coccyx and the SI joint I felt like I had put my neck out and onto the right shoulder and I didn't know if I had truly just slept in a funny position and felt like that so I got up this morning as you know I, I stayed in bed late I had wanted to go to the gym and couldn't go because I didn't sleep for a couple of hours. And it was my two o'clock appointment today from Berks Falls who arrived. And about two thirds of the way through her session, I just heard my spirit guide say, she's the reason you didn't sleep last night. And I went, oh, Lord, do you have hip pain between the SI joint and the coccyx on the left hip? Do you have a right shoulder injury that's old but flared up last night and you couldn't lay on your right shoulder and you couldn't lay on your left hip? So left and right side were horrible. You're not a stomach sleeper, so it had to be flat on your back and you can't do it, so you were up. And she said, yes. Why in God's name would you know that? And I said, you're the reason I'm exhausted today. (laughs) So so tactful. And she just started laughing. She said, is that the synesthesia? And I said, yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is the synesthesia. But boy, oh boy, over decades of not knowing that, how do you explain to an employer? 
I can't come to work today. Yeah. I can't sit all day. I can't deal with the public all day. I can't raise my right arm. Oh, geez, after two o'clock, I can. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, after two o'clock, yeah, she's a phony. She's a liar. She's a fake. Like, people want to rage. Yeah. <laughs> they want to go into a rage about somebody who's doing shit like that. Or they want to disbelieve them. They want to fire them. They want to say to the student, get to the office. They want, like, there's punishment for all of that. Do you remember when I was working at the bank and yes. that man had a, um, he collapsed in front of me and I ended up having his seizure in the back room after? Yes. Oh, how do you, well, thankfully I could explain to my employer. She sent me home kindly. Yes. And that employer said, understood yeah. that you have these gifts and, and that you were trying to use them within a business and that somehow she was really understanding that Kelly mm -hmm. she made an effort to, to believe every single thing but so many people don't have that in a partner or in their parents or in um, a school system or a job or with their friends they don't yeah and I think well, the original point that I wanted to make from the medical intuitive is that it helped me understand synesthesia which also gave me a language for it because you can't explain it to someone if you don't have the language. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening and you want more information, Daniel Tannett writes Born on a Blue Day and a few other books as well on synesthesias. He has numerical. He has um, a variety of synesthesias. Kelly and I have mirror touch. Kelly, I've talked about colors before too and how I see things in colors and shapes. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they actually classify that yet as a synesthesia yeah. because this is something, yes? Oh yeah, for sure. Some people see colors when they hear names. Some people see colors uh, in with different word associations. Oh yes. And some people see music in color. So they see notes with different colors. There's, yeah, it's definitely been researched. Okay, and... and here is something that for me in these, in all of these treatments and in all, having all of these gifts over time is that for a while, without knowing that it was synesthesia, I would say, I feel what other people feel. If they have depression, I feel the depression. If they have anxiety attack, I feel it. If their left eye twitches, my left eye twitches. And people would just stare at me blankly. Then... In this past year, thanks to a, a dear friend, Denise, who sent us a video and information on it, mm -hmm. we got to know what it was actually called and research it and start saying we have mirror touch synesthesia and to educate others in the process because it's what we've been living with for years. Mm -hmm. I am so eternally grateful to Daniel and to Denise for giving it, as you said, the words, because now I notice when I say to clients, I have mirror touch synesthesia, if I say something like, and it's scientifically proven, then they kind of sit there and treat me a little differently than if I had just said, and I feel what you feel. Because there is an actual classification or a name, somehow in their head, it's a thing, it went to be leaveable. Yeah. And instead of second guessing it or thinking it was a lie or let's see if she's going to prove it, they went to accepting it and being respectful. So the language shifted it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I saw humans do, but never did the treat, did the spirit world treat me differently. Hmm. 
once I knew what I was experiencing, once there was a name, they never changed. The humans did. Yeah, they never lightened up either. (laughs) (laughs) Neat. Okay. It's just, to me, it's, I get to observe how the spirit world behaves and I get to experience and observe how humans behave. Yeah, and I, well, maybe that's one of the points too from the sessions, the spirit world, they're consistently kind and consistently supportive. Yes. And consistently teaching, mentoring, there's, there's, um, productivity, positivity to it, as opposed to where some humans can't be bothered in some ways for any of that, unless they have what they want. So if, and I don't say all clients, but I'm just certainly learning that there are some, that there's a variety of clients. So I'm saying that one of the things that the treatments have given me is a wonderful ability to observe human behavior in, and something to compare it to other than pets or like a dog's behavior, which, you know, people can get that if you're comparing your dog to the way people behave. But to me, there was a new level of comparing things. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful to have the spirit world in my life to allow me to experience the gentleness of that. Well, I like that too, because the comparison is what our is to what our potential is. It's and people might think, well, you're comparing humans to spirits, but you you are a spirit as a human, that is our potential, that is what we are capable of. It's just unfortunate that a lot of us don't get those lessons until we cross. Yeah. I learned with all of the medical intuitive stuff to make sure that I recognize when my ego comes in and beats the shit out of me. If I'm nervous that I'm giving everything wrong because I don't get the affirmation right then and there in the room. So some clients can give you the the accuracy of what's coming through from the spirit world because they already know the information is right. I've watched you change in that way, though. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I and it's in our consent process that if you're asking for future information that they can't confirm, we go back and ask for something from their past or present where they can give us that yes or no. Mm-hmm. And then I've heard you say, then I'm right. Mm-hmm. And it's it, I've watched you waste, waste less and less time. Yeah, less energy. Yeah. Um, t- I like how you worded that, less time, less energy. And not engaging or allowing the ego to come in and make me keep questioning everything that I'm doing every day. Yeah, you just keep moving. Linda Harrison recently sent me an email providing me with accurate information that she went to a medical appointment that confirmed all of the information that came through regarding medical intuitive. She gave permission for me to use her first and last name on the show today so that people would really hear and attach it to a person. Not just saying a client and not knowing who, but actually able to say this is the person, which I appreciate because some people don't and that's okay. And some people give consent. Her information was given in the session as a result of the synesthesia. I felt the pain in a certain part of my body and said that to her during the session. She wasn't able to confirm it at the time. So she asked questions about it and just said that she didn't know what I was referring to. Didn't dismiss me though. She was just able to say, okay, that's information I can't confirm, but that's okay. Some people totally dismiss it like, no, you're wrong. 
No, that's a lie. That's inaccurate. No, you're no good. And then there are clients that behave the way that she did, where it was just simply, I can't confirm that. But there's that, I don't know how to respond, but I don't need to come out as an attack. I don't need to say you're no good, but I'm willing to just listen. And maybe it'll play out. I don't know. So there's more of a I'll see or an openness. I don't know all of the words to describe Linda's behavior, the kindness, the patience, maybe to some degree, the tolerance to be able to just say, I can sit and listen. and We'll see what happens with that. So it was a little while later, a couple of weeks, I believe that she sent the email in and said, okay, I've had the medical procedures done. The pain that you received in a certain area that we couldn't confirm is now confirmed. And this is what it is. Thank you for telling me. I feel that this made a huge difference in my life. I learned a lot from people like Linda Harrison about being kind to the universe, about the messages, because that's what medical intuitives do. That is the whole point. That quite often to see a medical intuitive means that you can't confirm. That's why they come. Because they can't. So her whole essence and mine in that session of here it is we can't place the pain in this part of the body yet so synesthesia is happening for something in her body that she isn't even feeling I just think that's pretty incredibly brilliant kind generous of the spirit world to help us like that why they don't help us like that for every single person I don't know well, I don't think that's true. Ah. I think that has come through. And people have said in sessions, mm. do you get anything about my medical intuitive? And they don't draw attention to it. Mm-hmm. They being the spirit world. And when we go into mm. soul contracts, it's because some of those diseases, some of those incidences mm-hmm. are meant to shift their life in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and truthfully too, Kelly, we've both seen it. That sometimes it's meant to end a life yeah. and we can't alter it. And I think that's where people forget is that, you know, we call them exits being mm-hmm. death. We have to have an exit. And so we, we all choose different ones. Mm-hmm. It can't all be peacefully in your sleep. It's not all going to be a fiery car crash. Mm-hmm. There are different exits for reasons. Mm-hmm. I I have one life coaching client right now who just said, I don't know what I would have done with my life without my cancer. Really? Because she wasn't, she wasn't present. She thought she was. She wasn't slowing down enough. She thought she was. She had a whole perception of how she was living and the cancer actually put it in her face so that she could shift the way that she functions. Beautiful. And she is now more in love with herself, now healthier because it was an opportunity and I was going to say it forced Mm. her to but it didn't it gave her an opportunity to change and she took it she chose it and that's part of the consent process too is that we've said what you choose to do with the information is entirely up to you yeah that's so key that whole consent process for people to be able to truly listen to it because some people come in another thing I've learned from clients some people listen to that consent process and it's like they want to wave it. Like they, they flip their hand across in front of me, dismissing me. 
even first-time people who say, oh, I already heard what you did. I'm just consenting. Go. And the hand sweeps across in front of my face like, just go. And I always say, no. I don't allow them to control my process. I don't allow them to, to control the time that they need to fully be engaged. One more way that they're going through their life thinking, I'm in control, not you, not the universe, me as a human. And I marvel at those people. I marvel at their arrogance and their ignorance to oh. think they have that much control over everything. Mm-hmm. How, when, how many people metaphorically wave their hand over a waiver form in a dangerous sport or activity and just sign their name and think, oh, whatever, it's fine. I'll just, I'm going to be fine. Mm-hmm. There's so much, like you said, arrogance. And so we say to them, no, we're going to slow this down because there's a very good chance you're going to leave full of rage. There's a very good chance you're going to leave not knowing what to do with yourself afterwards if that's your attitude and your approach to things. Because when unflattering information comes out or you have to hear from a partner that they didn't do a good job loving you or that there was narcissism or that they wanted to leave you their whole life and didn't and that's their deepest regret, you're going to leave with some very mixed emotions and not know how to be you again. Kelly, brilliant. And you need to hear that that's a great possibility in the consent process so that you can mentally prepare yourself for that so that you can hear the information in a different way. Hear it and bring it in and accept it, you mean? Yes, and take your time doing those things. Mm -hmm. And there's the kindness. There's the generosity. There's the healing opportunity. I think I've seen in many clients when the hand waves across, like, just hurry up, just go, that that impatience can be all the way through a session. And it's a wonderful opportunity for them to just sit back and have somebody say, no, it's time to take a breath. I'm glad that I'm that person for some people. Mm-hmm. I want to say too, I've had that hand waved in front of me before where they've said, I've seen all your videos. Go. I'm ready for the rage. Oh, yeah. I'm ready for the change. I'm ready to be confronted. Just go. And and it really is. It's not an impatience. It's an acceptance of I've been prepped about what's mm-hmm. coming and I'm here because I chose to be. Yeah. And I have in those um, 15 or 10 to 15 minute check-ins that we always promise each other, I've had that hand come up again where they've <laughs> gone, just keep going. This is upsetting. This is awful. Just keep going. I need this. Or this is great. Keep going. I'm getting my yeah. affirmations. I'm hearing what I need to hear. I'm okay with it now. Or, and, I, and I'm trying to use different language too, right? Because they do say, I'm hating every message that's coming through, but it's all true. Keep going. So that hand has also been, no, it's okay. The spirit world is doing their job and I'm here listening. I had this lady yesterday who just sticks out in my mind and I think she will for years to come, who was in her late 80s. Her husband who had crossed came through. He was talking to her and just all through the conversation, He explained his part in the marriage where he said flat out that he had been a very difficult person, that he had also been a very kind person to people, but that he'd been very difficult to her. So she sat there and really took the apology and was crying, was very grateful for the apology. But then it took a turn. And she said, does he know what I did? 
And I said, yes, you read one of his journals. You went through after he died and you read his journals. She did. And when she read his journals, she was able to go back through and see what he thought and what he was going through at certain points in their marriage. And she could relate to where she had been in her own mental state during those periods of time. So there was one period of time, I think it was around Christmas, where she said that every Christmas and every occasion she went into deep depressions. And he wrote in the journal about her deep depressions. But they didn't talk? No. Mm. He wrote about his own behavior, how he was responding to her. So he came through in the session to acknowledge that she had read the journal and now she knew his piece in it. So while he didn't behave well, he would criticize her. He made her, her times even harder. It was out of his own frustration because she wouldn't get help. Hmm. That's an interesting process. Isn't it? Yeah. And so in that session, he came through to say, I know that you wrote, you read all of my journals about how I saw everything that you were going through. She thinks now in her late 80s that she's bipolar. Just because she's now hearing about it and reading about it. But mm -hmm. she thinks she has lived her whole life like this. Not knowing what it's been. Yeah. Mm. Severe mood swings of being okay at times and then at particular occasions being in a depression, being controlling, manipulative, and not understanding his behavior. So she learned or believed that he was the one that was causing all of her depressions. She didn't understand all of the different processes that he was trying to go through. She only realized it when she read in the journal that he saw a therapist, that oh. he went and spoke to the kids, wrote down in the journal what the kids told him, how they suffered with their mother. And she sat in the room and cried because she realized what she had put all of her children. And now she's saying to me, geez, probably my own parents, probably my own siblings, probably my own girlfriends, employers, everything. Hmm. So yeah. she went through and read the, his journal and came to see me to find out if he knew. <laughs> and I said, well, he does know that you've read his journals. Do you want to talk about it now? And they had a conversation something else that I've learned that it's never too late to talk to talk to communicate to connect she walked out of the room at the end of that feeling more loved by him her last comment to me was hmm Karen he still loves me and I said yes he does I hope you feel that now and she said I'm so glad I came because I also now know that he loves me he's forgiven me I thought it was all about me having to hear his apologies. She <laughs> said, I came here thinking you were going to give me the apologies about the way he treated me. She said, and then I read the journal last night and things started flipping like, oh, jeepers. Do I have to go there and apologize to him? Ironic, because that's what most women think when they drop their husbands off at our place and say, fix them. Yeah. And the husband gets to hear about how they've been abused and yeah. that they're supported and that they're seen. Yeah. He, she thought he was the abuser. 
She never saw all of the abuse that she did to him. She didn't see the pattern and how he came to become an, an abuser. So one of the things that, that I've learned, again, why we're doing the show, is to see things from different perspectives, to try and come outside of my own at all times, in all kinds of situations, and that that takes, as we've said before, emotional intelligence to have a perspective that is not our own. But how incredibly healing and valuable it is, I'm going to say that again, incredibly healing it is when we don't just see things from our own perspective and when we try to find the pattern and if you can't find the pattern find somebody else Uh, and I don't mean a girlfriend it's funny I think you say that almost every show I do because and here's another thing I know why Because sometimes the girlfriends and the guy friends are the biggest liars. There are enablers. Mm -hmm. They don't tell us our own shit. Because they're afraid that if they confront us or tell us that we'll shoot the messenger, dump their ass and leave. And if if they want to stay in this terrible relationship, and I say terrible because that's actually what it is, although they don't see it at the time, they don't want to lose the friend, the sister-in-law, whatever it is. Just doesn't happen. You don't get the truth. You need somebody like you and I or a therapist or whatever to actually tell you the truth. Okay, next one. Okay. Another something else I've learned and it's really hit me. I've talked to you about this in the past week is and I, I'm going to say his name because everybody knows who Jim is. Yeah. <laughs> lovely Jim. Jim comes almost once a month for two to three years now. I would say at least, or or around three years, I guess. Something that really hit me in the last couple of sessions with Jim and his grandfather, who's passed over. Who has been one of the best love stories we've ever heard. Oh my God, yes. And if you're just hearing Jim's name for the first time, which is kind of like the one name basis, like a share or an (laughs) Oprah, right? Yeah. Um, Go back and listen to, uh, I think it's a lesson in history. Those have been the podcast names, and I think there's four parts to it. Yeah. Well, you said one of the things that I've learned right there is that some of the best love stories, and certainly for Jim and his grandfather, I've really been able to participate and feel real love between him and his grandfather. I remember writing you a card, and I remember most cards I write to you, Talking about the fact that you have been a part of thousands of love stories Mm -hmm. throughout your career Mm -hmm. in being the mediator that gets to connect them again Mm -hmm. in being the mediator that gets to or has the opportunity to let them come back together, whether Mm -hmm. it's through a fight or if it's through truth that is hurtful that they can now deal with because all the all the facts are on the table. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, this one's so unique because the synesthesia and the remote viewing combined, right, has allowed you to connect a grandson and a grandfather. Yes. And and Kelly, you've said it absolutely perfectly that that's one of the reasons why I was going to, why I wanted to bring up Jim Lennox and his grandfather. Yes. A couple of days ago, my hands changed in front of my eyes 
and I could see calluses. I could see purple. They're, they're just on the fingertips. I couldn't understand where I was. Jim was asking certain questions about what his grandpa went through, and I was trying to describe my, what happened to my body. So Jim just sits back, and I notice he just sits back and totally consents to my experience. He sits and observes as a, uh, an ex-police officer all of my behaviors. He observes the, how I change, how even my posture changes, or if I'm looking at my hands, he doesn't look at me like I'm crazy. He looks at me and totally accepts and observes and allows all of the synesthesia to just play out. I am safe. He allows for me to look back into the backyard at the shed and then look down at the paper and he gets quiet and I start drawing all of the pictures and diagrams and maps. He gives consent by his silence, but in that silence, the acceptance, the calmness that makes me feel safe enough for all of the gifts to be fully present. So I can draw diagrams, so that I can draw maps, or what, whatever it is that I can see blue lights in the backyard. And then he finds out what the blue lights mean, which is going to come up in another show. I've learned from his grandfather to trust him, to trust the spirit world so much. I don't understand what blue lights in a row are. And Jim stands up and says, well, is that a reflection of the Christmas lights hanging above your house? Because it could be. And I have to, because they're there. So is he seeing the reflection of them, but I can't? I don't know. I see blue lights. Jim does too, but they're actually hanging outside in a certain, like under the east trough. I'm seeing them way out by the shed. So can that be a moment of my confusion and caving in and saying, oh, it must be what you're seeing. It must be the Christmas lights. Or do I sit there, look at his grandfather and say, is Jim right or are you right? And his grandfather says to me, no, there, there are blue lights here. There are blue lights in 1945 in, in, in this part of Poland or wherever he is. No, there's a series of blue lights. And Jim finds out exactly what those blue lights are. So his grandpa and Jim's presence allow me to fully experience all of that. Seeing those blue lights, seeing his grandpa, hearing things, smelling things, and sometimes in, well, in every single session, smelling something. One man in his session came up and blew cigarette smoke right in my face. That's common. And I smell it. So allowing for the spirit guides to be able to facilitate giving us messages through every single one of our senses. I like to bring up animals in this in this way and it's the same point that you're making. So I'm not I'm not saying anything new. I just like it in a different context because I think humans can be very dismissive of other humans even after they've passed. And Jim is certainly an exception because I think he's had similar experiences to his grandfather, certainly not anywhere the same, but having been in military, I think there's a desire to connect and a desire to sit back and and respect that person's journey. Whereas some of us can disconnect very easily because if I can't envision what you've been through or I haven't had anything similar to it, then I, I can't believe that you were in that amount of pain or that you coped in the way that you did. 
And I watch people have an easier time with animals because there is a desire to connect, a desire to know what they're thinking. And so they sit with a little bit more eagerness, I find. I mm-hmm. don't know if you if you correct that, but the people that really truly love their animals, it's like, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? How did they react to what I said and did? There's more of a desire to know that they did a good job for their animals mm-hmm. sometimes than their humans. Mm-hmm. And I've enjoyed that as a love story mm-hmm. where the animals have been able to come through and say, as you know, you did a session on this. This is what she got everyone for Christmas. This is what's mm-hmm. under the tree. This is how they celebrated me when I passed. It's been such a wonderful way to feel different heart bursts as well. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've learned is the heart bursts are the same mm-hmm. depending on the, the level of, of the love story. I like that. If anyone doesn't know enough about Jim, we should just mention, as you kind of have done there, just to clarify that Jim was in the military, I think, for 24 years and served overseas in wars. So his ability and your, like you said, his desire or his, uh, his ability to place himself in some of the situations that his grandfather may, went through in the Second World War is something that is closer to Jim. He, he can get there in his head, right? Yeah. You get the training to mentally be prepared that this may happen to you. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, has war really changed that much? <laughs> it's still torture. Mm-hmm. It's still obscene amounts of abuse. Mm-hmm. It's still poverty as well. Yeah. Um, so you can still put yourself in that position, even though the weapons have evolved. Mm-hmm. I like bringing Jim's stuff up because um, of that whole thing about in the podcast show today about what I've learned or what you and, I, you and I have been able to learn during all of these sessions. Moving on to a different one that comes to my mind is in sessions is how beautiful it can be that when I'm trying to give a validation to a client, I'm validating myself, that it goes both ways, and that it helps both the client and myself by being able to be accurate. It's and I always say to clients, I need it as much as you do. I need to hear the validations that everything is correct, just like you do. So if a client withholds all of those validations, then I don't know, do I continue? Do I not? Am I, is this accurate? Is it not? How am I doing? So for the clients that just sit there and won't say a single word, how very challenging their sessions are when they withhold. Well, that's any relationship. That's no fun. Yes. It's not a two-way street. It's like sitting down and saying, I love you. And they stare at you blankly. It's like, how am I supposed to feel energized? How am I supposed to feel like I want to continue doing this Mm -hmm. for you to sit in front of you to to offer what I have and whatever gifts those are intuitive or not, mm-hmm. there's no reciprocation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I said, I've said this to you before, even in, in my other very, very human job in, in giving callbacks to people, reminders yeah. about their appointments and saying, you know, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night. And they go mm-hmm, and hang up the phone. And it's like, you feel flat. Yeah. You feel flat when someone doesn't offer you the same kind wish back. Well, and I think that leads right into the energy part for me, that if a client is just sitting there and withholding and won't actually won't say a single word for an hour, how am I (laughs) try and picture that you're listening to this and you have to meet a stranger and you have to tell them everything about them and they won't give you a boo for an hour. 
how you would do. Mm-hmm. Even if you did know some things about somebody, say a friend, how would you engage for a whole hour if they won't even say a single thing? Not even a yes or mm-hmm, nothing. They just sit and look at you like... No one can see you right now. Well, blank stare. <laughs> yeah. I, and I find it funny too, specifically about this podcast, about what we've learned. We still get questions from people of why do you charge so much? Why mm. do you, Why are your fees so high? And I think about all the things that we've had to go through and learn, which have been a pleasure from the spirit oh. realm and from some humans as well. But to talk about the amount that happens in an hour... Then the potential for abuse from humans Mm -hmm. and with the synesthesia to sometimes channel the abuse that this person has given to the spirit world and to the human that's now in the spirit world. I hope I did a good job differentiating those. And to think that we just walk away feeling energized all the time. Well, we also dream about it the night before. Yeah. We also have the synesthesia that I might have their pain and go to the chiropractor and pay a $40 bill to get my hip adjusted because my three o'clock appointment has her left SI joint out. I don't say, and here's my chiropractic bill yeah. for your hip. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I yeah, and I hope people hear that and go, oh shit. Because I hopefully, just in the sense that it's it's a different level of respect Mm-hmm. that that is what happens, that when we channel someone with MS and our tingling and numbness doesn't end after their session, it started before and continues maybe 48 hours later, that they can appreciate whatever it is they're giving us in return. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like what you say, whatever they're giving us in return, because that includes the financial that can include a thank you. Yes. That it can include the affirmations. It can include gratitude. It can be a hug yep. if it's in person. It can be a referral. Yes. It can be um, comments that when somebody else is bashing us, that they don't stay silent. Yep. That they can take it as an opportunity to educate another person. Mm-hmm. And I don't say defend us. I say educate Educate. another person as to what we actually go through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's important because, you know, how many times have we stood at the door at the end of a session and said to them, okay, and we'll continue doing the energy healing in this part of your body when you go to sleep tonight, if you're comfortable with that. And they go, oh, yes, please. And saying to someone, you know, when you have anxiety, call me in your head or your heart and we'll do some energy work there. Sometimes they're not even on our agenda as a client that day, and they're calling us from around the world saying, I need help. Yeah. Well, I often write them in my appointment book on the dates they have their surgery and say, can you send love and energy? Yeah. And I don't just put them in my appointment book and forget. That morning when I see their name in my book, I sit down at my desk or I go lay on the treatment table and I do a journey to go into their body and help them while they're out of their body. I think people need to hear that it goes very much beyond the job. But I thought that if they were hearing these podcasts or watching the videos we do or hear us clients the, or anything. The free ones? The free videos and podcasts? Yes, all yes. the free videos and podcasts. That people would understand how giving this is on our part. One of the things that I've seen over the years for me in treatments that's been 
absolutely fundamental to me has been playfulness, curiosity, the joy, the thoughtfulness of the spirit world. If I say I don't want to feel the aneurysm with the synesthesia, they tone it down for me now. If I say I don't want to feel all of the numbness, sometimes I get the spirit world toning it down for me. So sometimes it changes a a little bit. I'm learning. I don't know if there's a dial somewhere in the universe where I can turn it up and down. I haven't found it. (laughs) I I, I hope if there's a sandbox out there I can play in where it's more the synesthesia stuff. I'm hoping to have access to it soon. But I'm the curiosity for me is imperative and in direct relation to the joy that I can feel because well hold up the curiosity is an is imperative to the joy that I can feel mm-hmm. that's that's a life sentence mm. that's a life quote yeah and okay. I think that is where a lot of people have lost themselves okay not me I'm aware of that I'm just saying that you are setting an example. Ah, thank you. Yeah, that's why when we pick our core desired feelings each year, we pick something that relates to curiosity or education or wonder or awe, where we can be fascinated by professionals. We can be fascinated by artists who are professionals, pardon me, but we look at the world to keep learning. Yeah. To keep falling in love. And I keep looking at the spirit world for that. Yeah. As well as the human experience. But I keep looking at the spirit world as to, can I get through a wall? If somebody's missing, can I go higher? Can I remote view? Can I get down into the earth? Can I, can I go left through this tree? If there's a train in front of me, can I run through it? Can I see what's in the train, you guys? Because, and I've learned some of that, Kelly, because Jim would say to me in following his grandpa around, what's in the building, Karen? What do the people do in the building, Karen? And I'd have to go into the building. And then I got in the building and went, oh, thank God. I grew up in a funeral home because it's just full of dead bodies. And Jim sits back and goes, oh, my God. And the smell. And the smell. Yeah. And actually, Jim and I had a really good talk about that just in the last session because I did go into one building full of dead bodies. And Jim just sort of took a breath and sat back. And I think because he would know the same smell. Mm. he would know the same experience from being in war. And I said, oh, this is just like when I went to the funeral home for lunch. And he, unfazed. And he laughed. He just sat up in his chair and had a little giggle. And I said, well, Jim, because, you know, when we were kids, we would go to the funeral home every day and we would walk downstairs and we'd have our lunch. Okay, so for anyone who's freaking out right now, go back to to the first episode of Coffee with the Sarlos to understand what's happening. Yeah, because I would smell the embalming fluid. I And then I got to learn the smells of when a body decayed in water or in earth if they found a missing person or if they had burned to death in a fire. Or, or part burned, but there were different smells to the decay or the skin or and so on and so on. And for people who are in medicine, they know this. Or if someone grew up in a funeral home as well, they would sit there and go, mm-hmm, I'm a funeral director. I know those smells. My kids would too. My spouse would too. But we had lunch there every day. So as a medium, I'm so grateful for the experience of growing up in a funeral home where the smell of death 
where seeing a dead body was just something you saw every day, where seeing spirits in the funeral home with the dead bodies was something I saw every day, even though I was raised a Catholic and was told I was not allowed to. That that was a lie. That that didn't happen. When you're a kid and it's just happening, you, you don't believe the adults. You know they're the ones lying. And why would that be? So I'm grateful for all of these different experiences that always brought me back to the spirit world with a truth. This is where I wanted to end the show. Okay. Well, because, and I know this is, you know, this is going to air in a couple of weeks by the time people are hearing it, but we've just come off the, the day of the Golden Globes speech. Oh yeah. Where if you, I can't believe anyone wouldn't have, have heard it, but Oprah gave her speech, her acceptance speech, mm -hmm. and said that what she knows for sure is that telling your truth is the most important thing that you can ever do. Mm -hmm. And it's what the spirit world does. Yeah. It's what we do on their behalf. Yeah. And on behalf of the humans who maybe aren't ready to admit their truth yet mm -hmm. or are scared to share it with another human. Yeah. We, we are the front line where they get to perhaps say it or accept it for the first moment. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love, Kelly, when a, a spouse will come in and hear truth. They'll come in and say, does my husband really love me? Does my wife really believe in my career? Or whatever the question is, where they don't feel the spouse who's alive is actually being truthful. And the spirit world comes in and gives them all of the truth. Mm -hmm. And this client can sit there and say, now that I have all of that, thank you. And then the spirit world can say, now what do we, what do you want to do with that? Yes. What pattern is that breaking for you? What does that mean in your life? Does that mean your partner's more on your side than you ever thought? Did you misunderstand that they weren't criticizing you, but trying to ask you good questions so you could evaluate better instead of just staying in your fear? And they see the truth which isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes it is everything they wanted. Oh, it's the open door. Yeah. Thank you. I, I can't imagine that this will be the first and last episode titled What We Know or What We've Learned So Far. I hope we are going to do these ones on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and most people know if you've been listening to the show that they're roughly between, you know, 40 minutes and an hour. So we like to keep them in, in manageable pieces. Um, but we'll, we'll be back with lots of lists. Good. And I will keep writing them because I find Kelly that it's every single session that I wish that I could share with the public about what I learn. Mm -hmm. I wish for those that choose to listen to the shows to learn through this by listening or by applying it somehow in their own life that they could be with me in every single session. For those people who really are here to learn, absorb, change, embrace change, grow. Well, and they are because we see them, these podcasts go up at 5 a.m. every Saturday. And by the time I check Facebook, there are three likes. Oh, yeah. And and I that's not a large number by any means, but there are those people who are there religiously, mm -hmm. who are seeking those truths, who are seeking that change, who are 
drawing their own parallels and, mm-hmm. and doing their, the good work. Oh, well then, for all of you out there that are holding your tea or your coffee this morning or, you know, taking us along on your walk or your drive or whatever, thank you. And to mention the people who save it and play it on Tuesday mornings. Yeah. And we are your Tuesday morning. I've, I've heard so many fun stories that we are, and this hopefully comes out the right way, we are your bath time, <laughs> that we are your coffee in the morning on Saturdays or that you save us till Tuesday morning when the kids are all... At, at school and, and your husband's gone to work. It's, it's a privilege to be able to, to do all of this. Uh, and we don't take that lightly. I think it's a privilege. And I, it's never lost on me in every moment that this is a privilege. Even when the synesthesia has me experiencing someone else's heart attack, I still believe deeply to my core that that is a privileged moment. To not die from it. <laughs> yes. To have experienced it with yes. the person who experienced it. Yes, because And the that's... family that's sitting in front of me that is hurting because that may have taken that life. Yes. And I want to point that out too, because I, I know I, I made a joke, but we want to know, especially in those moments when someone has experienced something technically, physically alone, that the spirit world sits with us, that time is not on the continuum that we think it is, Mm -hmm. that we can go back in time in parallel universes and sit with a person who's having a heart attack and then six days later or two years later sit in front of the family member and say, oh no, I sat with them when he had it. I'm feeling Mm -hmm. it right now. Yeah. That is comforting. That is the, that's the gift of synesthesia. And time travel. Yeah. And being human. So what kind of human do you choose to be today? Thank you for the show, Karen. Ah, thank you too. And you're welcome. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have an exceptional weekend.